Hello, this is Monster Manual Mash. This is a podcast that goes entry by entry through the fifth edition Dungeons and Dragons Monster Manual. We discuss each creature and we uncover how the makers of the game want you to use them according to the text in the book. We look at where they come from in myths and legends of the real world, and we speculate on the psychological hooks behind them, uh, all to help you come up with ways to run a more creative and interesting game. I'm Chris Lawson. With me, as always, is Wes Grist. Hello. Hello. (laughs) This is Monster Time. Today, we are finally out of the Ds. I never thought it would happen. We've been in the Ds for, like, over a year? Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Haven't been updating as much as we set out to, but uh, we finally got through it. So now we're in the E's. Number one E that we're dealing with, I've kind of not been looking forward to, but I know we'll we'll make it happen one way or another, is elementals. Elementals, according to the book, are incarnations of the elements that make up the universe. Air, earth, wind, and fire. So that's the very first line. I think it's a pretty bold statement to come out of the gates with to declare yeah, yeah. what the universal <laughs> foundations of the physics of the world are. Yeah. So uh, like that, my, my mind just goes reeling after that, but it's hard to tell what that, how that would affect your game, but it has like really big cosmological results. Oh, or, totally. It like, yeah. uh, like if you, if you interpret like the existence of elementals and what the elemental planes reference and, you know, like the, w- what it says right there, the, the, the elements that make up the universe immediately you have in your fantasy world, like on al- al- alternative physics, you know? Yeah. That is uh yeah. Which you could pursue. Like that's, that's a job for someone else other than me, I think, but like there is, it's probably interesting stuff you could do with that if every atom of stuff contained earth, wind, earth, air, wind, and fire. Or like even if you included the, those are like the four classical, uh, i.e. Western, Greek, uh, or alchemical uh, elements. But there's also in yeah. like Eastern philosophies, there's wood, metal, and uh, void, which yeah. is pretty cool. Uh, elemental. But in those ones, in like the non-classical um, element compositions, they're they're energy. They're not they're not. It's not material. So it's like it's not that. There's there's they're very different. They're both wrong, scientifically speaking, but they're very different. <laughs> like philosophically, where like earth, air, wind, and fire are materially within every bit of everything. But in the like Eastern philosophies. They're not in the material, but they are forces that kind of exert themselves on yeah. material that and kind of makes them. Yeah, yeah. Which, which that in of itself has like a lot of similarities with the way the which I'm I'm going to end up talking a lot about. I think in this episode is a uh, platonic forms and the way yeah. that Plato talked about forms. I think that elementals map onto that really well. And but I'll, I'll get you know we can get more into that later. But I did yeah. just think right now it would be fun to imagine elementals, but like based on the periodic table of elements, like a helium elemental and, yeah. a, and a bosnium. If that's a I don't know if bosnium is a thing, is it? Sounds anyways. Right. Radium elemental, you know? Yeah, high pitched yeah. voice helium elemental. You can have like <laughs> neon elementals would be pretty cool. That's pretty yeah. That's a good cyberpunk. Yeah. Uh, yeah, there's lots of there. There's so elementals are so boring, 
but which also makes them ripe for doing whatever you want with them yeah like what if a, a, a monster what if like a guy was only one thing like what if something was one thing you know but it was still yeah. sort of a person or a creature like an entity you know yeah but there's the the limits of this of the monster manual don't allow for that kind of thing is it explicitly states right. that they are little more than animated energy of their own planes of existence and yeah. are just called upon by spellcasters or powerful beings to take shape and perform tasks uh so that like explicitly states that they don't really have a mind. It does say that they are in, in their home planes, they have dim consciousness and only becomes shaped through magic. And they are otherwise bodiless life forces just swimming around in their home plane. Yeah. So even if you go to their home plane, you won't necessarily see elementals walking around. You'll see other creatures native to these planes, but you won't see elementals, um, which uh, sounds little, but in this in this game, there are like there's so much uh, like conceptual overlapping with creatures based on the elements because there's it even explicit it even tries to tell you about them later on. There's a uh, one of the descriptions is bound and shaped. Powerful magic can force an elemental to a particular template to define their use and function, including invisible stalkers, water weirds, golems. Um, so these are other creatures in the book that are also elementals. So, and then there are creatures that are like not explicitly elementals in the game, but are based off of historical mythol or alchemical ideas of elementals. So like sylphs, even kind of nymphs, uh, salamanders, which are in the book gnomes. These are all creatures that have in real life have more to do with the idea of elementals. Um, so we have to keep them all separate and then you just have plain old elementals, which end up being like, they're mostly boring, but if you dig into, I think how, what, what sets them apart, uh, might be interesting. So in this case, it's that they're, they're, uh, they're summoned, they're conjured by magic. They resent being pulled from their native planes and the caster must exert force of will to control them. There's also a line here that I really hate, uh, that I don't want to talk about much, but it, it bears... Uh, some some discussion so after it says dim consciousness that only becomes shaped through magic it describes them like beasts of the material plane they have no society or culture and little sense of being which like monkeys have culture whales have culture i don't know why they gotta they're not like beasts beasts of the earth don't swim through matter that only that they're they're not bodiless life force <laughs> swimming through material. It's a weird, like, it seems like they're a little unconfident about how an elemental should be. Yeah. So, mm. I don't know. Anyways. Um, but they do try to differentiate, like, a golem is an elemental spirit bound to material form, but requires greater magic to, like, seal it there. So that's why summoned elementals are different from things like golems or even flesh or clay golems that are propelled by some life force. Um, And finally, they don't need air, food, drink, or sleep, which I thought would be a kind of funny um, elemental range within that air, food, drink, and sleep as being (laughs) the true elements. This is the thing with elementals and you can, (laughs) this happened with, um, I think it happened with all editions, but I think it's particularly third edition was where it really exploded, where like, it's so easy to just include new elementals of different 
you can just say something else as an element or you uh, compound elements like magma. Yeah. Or mud. Mud. Yeah. Yeah. So there's like a million different elementals. Then you get into wacky stuff. Like uh, there's a famous, not famous. No one knows this other than me, but in Morrowind, there was a, <laughs> a mod that someone made. That was a, like a one of an, an early meme, I guess of like a watermelon golem. It was like summoned through <laughs> like the elemental plane of watermelons, which I imagine relates to your idea of the like platonic ideal worlds, right? Like if there's a platonic ideal of something floating around out there in the ether, then you could conceivably argue for there being like an ele- like a summonable element. Yeah. Yeah. Like, like if there's, it, it gets really weird with like a, uh, with like platonic forms because those could be something like roundness. Right. And then there's in the <laughs> yeah. realm of ideas, there's like a perfect roundness that like is so perfect, perfectly round that you like, you could never like, it couldn't exist. It's so round. But varying varying degrees, objects that you can interact with that don't exist just within the more real part of reality, which is the realm of thought, and the less real one is like physical objects, the whole like platonic thing. And there's like some neoplatonic stuff in there too with that idea. But then you could have like a ball and it could be like, you know, maybe sphericalness, you know, like, uh, and and, and then uh, depending on how round it is, it's closer and closer. Like it can get infinitesimally close to like the platonic idea, like the pure mathematical roundness. Yeah. But any, any, any time, like, and to ver- like an apple is further away within like that dimension of things from like roundness as like an, an orange would be, you know, but then you, you could do that with sort of anything weirdly. Uh, so like take one, one of the like, classical elemental things like fire you have like okay what is what would be like pure fire where there's like nothing no other aspect of it but that it's fire and it's like as much like fire as it could possibly be i don't know uh and then if you like instead of having something like setting a fire which is like ha i've i've made that object by like lighting a log on fire i've like brought it closer to the platonic idea of of fireness if you could like just bring a little bit of that idea from idea space into reality, then you would have uh, that's, that's kind of like what I like imagining elementals to be is like, what if you using magic so you can bend the rules of reality in weird ways, brought something just straight from the idea, like the, 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 the realm of forms into the physical world, right? Yeah. Into the realm of particulars. And so then you have suddenly this, this like entity that is partaking in the maximum possible way in like the form of whatever you want. And then you can have fun with that too. And that, that's a, that's, that's a fun way to have elementals of like all different kinds of things. Yeah. But if you like, if you wanted to be just like the world's biggest nerd and then just you use uh, like uh, Plato's philosophy, like platonic philosophy to like design your cosmology, like directly on that, or at least some aspects of it, um, that would be, like that's a great way to do elementals then, but yeah, yeah, because you have yeah. infinite ideas more or yeah. less, and like this is a great arena for insane wizards to participate. Totally, yeah, <laughs> and that and this is a great way to like accidentally create some kind of like horrifying things, right? Like, what if what if there was a wizard who was out for revenge and is like, well, I have to take perfect revenge, so I'm going to reach into the <laughs> 
the 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 the, the realm of revengeness, and then bring some of that out, and like, what would that be? Like a like an entity of pure revenge, you know? Uh, you lose control of it; it would be terrifying, and then you gotta yeah. you gotta put it back or something like that, or or cancel it out with um, I don't know a justice elemental, which like and maybe that's i don't know this sounds just as terrifying yeah which yeah would totally be just as terrifying then Um, you're doing the thing where you're like introducing toads to wipe out an insect population and then introducing snakes to wipe out the toads and then (laughs) snake eating gorillas yeah yeah (laughs) so so you're ended up just having this like arms race of like uh of of, like manifested like rock paper scissors yeah (laughs) yeah different wizards trying to trump each other's platonic ideal champion which that sounds pretty rad that's pretty cool yeah yeah totally it's way weirder when you're getting into like abstract concepts than, yeah totally it's know, like much harder substances. to much harder to include as an entry in a book to sell to real people <laughs> <laughs> but i was thinking like i was going through the individual entries of each elemental and they're like they each have like a little a couple gimmicks to deal with who they are like air elementals there's they spill a bunch of ink trying to describe them interestingly but it really comes down to air elementals are like whirlwinds and tornadoes and they can fling you around earth are walking hills or stone people that club you and they do double damage to structures and they can burrow uh water is a big wave that can fill your lungs and it can kind of grapple and engulf you and then fire it sets fire to everything that it touches as it moves so these are like kind of neat ideas but there's so much variety when you're dealing with uh these these very simple elements have a million uses and ways they can yeah. change and, and and affect physical space so like it's another example of something that i wish they would make more complex or at least have an option to make more complex for you instead of a creature you have like a template and depending on its like challenge rating it gets more you have like different abilities to select for it and like the bigger the elemental the more stuff it has or like maybe it can even cast spells having to do with its um element or different uh different effects and even like consider the will of the caster since they're the oh, ones yeah. that are making the elemental take shape. So like like, like a, an evil undead wizard is going to have a different like unconscious shape it's going to give the elemental versus some like hedge level two hedge wizard or like, <laughs> yeah, you know, like a goblin wizard is going to have a different elemental, not only in like just the flavor of its description but i'm like how it's gonna how it like what that goblin wizard's relationship with fire is will change how the fire elemental works yeah you know yeah like if the if the the form that it takes in like the material universe um depends on the the caster's understanding of 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 that element and like yeah 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 and they're like emotional state and their yeah their background so and stuff like that make sure yeah make sure that you're like in a good 
you know, headspace when you're summoning <laughs> elementals. Like, like treat, you could treat them a little bit like psychedelics. Like maybe if you <laughs> make mm-hmm. sure you have like an elemental summoning sitter around to yeah. put on some like calming ambient music if you're getting too freaked out when you're summoning <laughs> an elemental so that the elemental doesn't come out all weird. <laughs> yeah, because they're really temperamental is the thing too. Like it describes um, that they resent being summoned and that they can, uh, you have to exert force of will to control them. But if you dig past into the past and like, I was looking through my AD and D monster manual and like most of the description has to deal with how um, it can go wrong. So there's like, if you fail a check after you summon it, there's a 75% chance that it's going to run amok and try to kill you for summoning it. I'm really interested in the 25% where they're not under your control, but they don't try to kill you. So like, what does it do? It still, <laughs> it still hangs out for the duration of its, of the spell. It can't go back until the spell wears off, but like, does it just like hang out? Does it try to like, uh, that to me is like a encounter ruining, but also extremely interesting outcome. Uh, <laughs> it just sort of hangs out. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And yeah. it describes mm. it describes them as being dumb several times, but there are smart elementals. You just can't summon them. They just like don't allow themselves to be summoned. Yeah. I like the idea of them being hostile to being like manifested against their will. Uh, yeah. Like, because I, I would sort of think of it. Yeah. I would sort of think of it like, say you're, you you want you you want a fire elemental under your control because you're like I uh, that'll be really useful for I don't know like as setting a town on fire or like powering <laughs> this bellow like this this yeah. furnace or something whatever you need it for, but if when you're summoning it like if you're tapping in to the sort of um, uh, the, 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 the sort of energy of uh, say the elemental plane of fire for a fire elemental. And it's, it's just sort of, if you're taking some of that fire um, that's, that's used to just being fire, but it's used to being all the fire everywhere, like an only fire, like a whole dimension of just fire and mm-hmm. also all the fire that's around here. And you're taking some of that bit of like, the universe of fire which is i'm I'm imagining it right now being this like uh gigantic sort of consciousness that like you can't even really comprehend and taking a piece of that and forcing it to be in like a particular space and time instead of everywhere um you would probably need to be a pretty powerful wizard or whatever because there's a good chance that the the part of the all of the fire that you turned into something under your control is resentful of going from being a universal to to becoming a particular yeah yeah totally like what if what if platonic forms resent um being partook in you know yeah and they they if they break free they strive to engulf the entire material world into and change it all into its home plane yeah which is why somebody that's what dangerous yeah and that, that that wouldn't even be like a necessary like a, like like evil thing it's just like the nature of like fire is it catches and you know or like is it the nature of like water that it that it that like uh, it submerges things or air that it blows yeah. over things and erodes them you know yeah it seeks to like become its most self self yeah even on the material because it doesn't want to be yeah it doesn't want to be like a singular thing anymore it wants to it wants to be everything again yeah so there's even in ad and d there's uh, an option you can try to you can dispel uh the elemental using the spell dispel magic 
Yeah. Or you can target the summoner's control over the elemental using dispel magic. And through doing that, you can try to take control of the elemental yourself. Yeah. Or just sever the connection so that it does go on a rampage. But if you fail your role on the dispel magic, then the elemental actually gets stronger and then resents you more than its original summoner. So if it does get <laughs> uh, cut off from control uh, and goes on a rampage after you've tried this and failed, then it targets you first, which I love as an explicit like uh, gamble tactic Yeah, for players to take. Like having just accidentally stoking the fire and like it adds like four hit dice or something to it, which in AD&D is like pretty huge. Oh yeah, that's a, that's a serious problem. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. In this book, yeah. in the in the fifth edition Monster Manual, they're all um, challenge rating five, which means I think um, they're sort of, I think they're supposed to be meant to be these kind of like set piece combat encounters for lower level characters. Yeah. Cause they're big deals by themselves, but, uh, and they are the resistance to non-magical weapons, which means you have to have magical weapons and AD and D it's even more dangerous. They're straight up immune to damage from all weapons, even magical weapons, unless they're plus two or higher. So they're really meant to yeah. be kind of like big deals in a way that like, which is like, if you summon something else, you well actually i guess demons and devils and stuff still have damage resistances and things like that but it's like these they're they're meant to be really tough yeah, even though yeah. they don't really mean anything conceptually like if you see someone summon a demon to fight you that says something about the caster whereas summoning an elemental a, a big water blob to fight you doesn't really speak to the morality of the caster yeah um and then that's it for them really they're like as as presented they don't really do much with the idea of summoning them to take on certain forms. Like that gets into it. It mentions golems a little bit and water weirds and stuff. And in uh, like forgotten realms lore, certainly in Eberron, Baron, um, they are used like technology. So like if you put um there's like fire elementals who are summoned and they exist permanently in the material plane to occupy a certain, like they fill like a pre-made like armor set and then animate this armor and and then exist in it or like water elementals power ships or something. Yeah. Yeah. I think it's sometimes fire or water element. Like, yeah. Like the, I know the airships, um, the the ring of magic around them is an elemental that's bound in that ring, and that's what yeah. sort of propels it forward. And so, yeah, the, so they they in like an Eberron, like doing a thing that happens a lot in that setting, um, uh, by sort of like using some aspects of magic as like, well, I mean, we know that there are these like predict repeatable steps we can do to like make this spell happen or that spell happen. So, like, of course, technology would develop around that. Yeah. Um. Uh. Which. Which is. It's a. It's. It's like you know. It's. I. I know that we've. We've talked about this before. Like it's. It, it's cool, but it's not always like the thing that we're looking for. In a yeah. Setting. For, for I, how I, you yeah, want magic yeah. to work, but that is like the yeah. natural conclusion of like a, a structured. Yeah. System of magic is using it like as a technology, especially yeah. with elementals. You can basically because when you're talking about elementals, you're talking about the raw forces of nature. 
Yeah. Is like things that create huge natural disasters and these huge sources of energy, earthquakes, wildfires, storms, uh, a fourth thing. <laughs> uh, and that's why they're like so dangerous is, and I think why they're impervious to non-magical attacks, like mundane attacks to kind of tap into the human fear of like weather or like flooding these great big environmental catastrophes that happen in nature uh like an elemental that represents these dangers you can't fight with a sword necessarily unless you're like an elevated adventurer of some sort yeah 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 totally so i was looking through i was trying to figure out some ways of spicing up the idea and i found some cool ideas elsewhere on the internet um people had there are kind of like charts you can roll on or just lists of different forms the different elementals can take that sound really interesting instead of like the fifth edition illustrations are just these like blobs of color which while while being like i kind of get why like in this in that weird like semi-realistic style that a lot of fifth edition art is in monster manual in particular but the ad and d ones are so goofy but they have so much character as usual (laughs) like a tornado with like mean looking eyes and like a big <laughs> flame with these, like the eyes of the flame look kind of just like more detail of the fire, but it's, it's obviously eyes like a big, it's almost like an icon, like a nice Disneyfied icon of fire. Yeah. So like, those are neat, but like, there's so many other ways you can do it. Um, also the idea that, um, hold on here. Oh, I found this idea, which is really neat, I think. Um, so you consider the idea that elements have their own home planes, which is how it works in D&D in the vanilla setting. It gives you the cosmology. Yeah. And the material plane is sort of like this neutral ground where all the elements are exist in balance with each other. You could conceivably do something like uh, when you summon an elemental of one form, the other elements have to compensate eventually. So after like a round or two of having, let's say an earth elemental, then you have elements of the other three creeping up in intensity to compensate for that. So it's, it's like doubly dangerous to have an elemental for longer periods because then you attract more like almost a chemical reaction from the material around you has to like, increase so you might get like localized earthquakes or like sudden creation of more earth like pouring in through the the just like uh, openings happening or sudden flooding or like the the air pressure suddenly increasing and like a storm brewing in like within a room or something until you have like all four elements present in equal size and then until the spell actually dissipates and then the other elements can back down as well I like that. That's pretty cool. <laughs> yeah. I mean, that makes yeah. it really unreliable and like more dangerous to cast. And anytime you do that, you get like players are less inclined to do something like that. But as like a, from like a villain's point of view or like an enemy's point of view, that's like really great. Cause then it's like, they're, they're dealing with magic. That is maybe they're like renegade wizards or something that are trying to do this elemental magic and think they can like work their way around it. Or they have like some other, 
they've created like a safe space for these elements to show up in elsewhere or something like yeah they have to like do the calculations to compensate <laughs> for all these other or the world reacting yeah or or like you know they 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 summon a couple of like earth elementals to do one particular thing but like oh shit it's like st- there's this stormy and things are catching on fire and it won't stop raining so okay i'm gonna make some water amount elementals too, and some fire and some air elementals you know to, to make the other ones but then they get the balance wrong and then just the disasters keep happening and they're just instead of getting rid of the elementals and de-summoning them um, they try to fix the problem by rebalancing it by summoning more <laughs> of the opposite <laughs> elementals and so they and and it just like a, it just gets unmanageable and that could be the whole that could be a whole problem that could be a whole arc that could be a whole <laughs> campaign world yeah yeah totally it's just like covered in elemental creatures that have been summoned and can't leave until the like the balance requires them to leave yeah there's a wizard with too many resources who <laughs> at his disposal that just cannot accept that uh, he just shouldn't have done stuff in the first place and is trying to fix the problem by doing more things and is just causing disasters everywhere. Yeah, another another asshole wizard yeah. problem. Um, we talked a little bit about the compound elementals and other monsters that share the same space. Within yeah. D&D, with, sorry, within the book, within the Monster Manual, there's even kind of these duplicates. There are a couple. There's the genie, who correspond to, there's four of them. They're each associated with a particular element and they live in the plane of that element. So I'm not going to talk about the, I'm not going to talk about the planes too much because other creatures in the book have more to do with them. Yeah. And then there's also the mephits who are just kind of like tiny elementals, but they are more associated with the, steam and magma and dust and these like compounds and like the element uh bloat that happens yeah Yeah. so i think when we get to them i'm going to talk more about like gremlins 2 or something (laughs) they remind me of gremlins 2 because there's like a type for each kind and they're little like subversive little imp monsters yeah i remember for the longest time i thought that they were um fiends some kind of like demon or devil or something um and then i was like oh no they're not they're they're elementals they're yeah well the name method kind of sounds demony it does it sounds like mephisto yeah mephisto mephistocles uh there's that cat from cats you know yeah 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 in fourth edition i was (laughs) like you can really tell the design uh, philosophy behind the different editions is when they compare elementals. It's AD&D. It's all about these weird rules governing how to interact with them and what you can do to them. And they each have very particular rules. Like the uh, earth, I thought it was neat. Earth elementals cannot travel unless they're touching earth. So like a way to destroy them is to like somehow sever their connection to existing earth. And like water elementals can't be away from a body of water. Uh, So these neat rules. And then like fourth edition, it's all about combat. So instead of just elementals, they have names like Earth Wind Ravager, Thunder Blast Cyclone, (laughs) Fire Lasher, Rock Fire Dreadnought. I mean, Rock Fire Dreadnought sounds pretty awesome. They sound (laughs) really badass, but it's like, 
it eliminates your goofy wizard uses, you know, like <laughs> oh, another, another idea for a use of elementals I found was cool is like using them, not just summoning them. And you can do this, I think easily in fifth edition where you not only summon them, but you, you like wear them like a, like a mech, like a battle suit. So like oh, you get yeah. into the elemental or like you can wield it as a weapon or something. And it has kind of the same stats more or less, but like it's an item or something uh, that you use. That's cool. I like that idea. That gives me very wacky and potentially overpowered ideas of like, what if you have all four of them and then you can be this, like you're in a giant rock mech suit and you, you can, you can shoot fire because of the fire elemental bit. You're you're a rock fire dreadnought. Yeah. Rock fire dreadnought. Yeah. That's awesome. Well, I think they, they sort of do that in, I think starting in fourth edition, they still have it in fifth the uh, elemental evils. Oh yeah. That's like a whole kind of angle that they have been trying to push for a while. And I haven't really dealt with it too much <clears throat> because on the surface, it sounds kind of boring, but I think uh, I thought about it a little, it kind of has uh, some roots in like in Norse mythology, there are the frost giants. And then in Greek mythology, you have the Titans, these kind of like pre God creatures, these pre human rational thought creatures um who exist and were like overthrown by the gods yeah but who are still kind of lurking around the edges of creation and um so the the elemental evils are sort of like that or they're earth air wind and fire but they 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 hate that the material plane has like found the a balance between them and that other creatures are like using them to achieve their own uh, supremacy so they seek to like undo the entire world and just like cast it all back into swirling chaos yeah which fits in really nicely with like the alignment system so you have like chaos uh and evil as being like literally a swirling chaos that very evilly wants to kill and destroy everything yeah like what what yeah and like it, it sort of means that there is this idea of like evil water that like the water itself can be evil somewhere, you know? Yeah. Yeah. It's not simply neutral. It like, it resents the fact that water is used for like, like for ships or like, yeah. Has to provide anything for other creatures and just wishes to be in this like great big, it kind of like the, like imagine a platonic ideal universe that like wanted to subsume the, the world of particulars. Yeah, yeah. It's like only wanted platonic ideals. So then the the plots of these elemental evils have to do with summoning the elemental eye, which I think is kind of like a vortex of just like swirling the four elements just like swirling together mm-hmm. in this big whirlpool, which is like it all sounds pretty cool, but I don't know how I've never played any of these adventures or read them. I don't really know how they how good they are. Like yeah, I was reading I don't know either. Yeah. <laughs> some of the, some of the stuff I've read was like that they're kind of boring. They're not exactly focused. Like you have Curse of Strahd and Tomb of Annihilation, these other books that have like a more clear cut villain and structure to them or instead of these like railroading kind of not terribly interesting villains. It's like, who's, what's an earth villain? What are they, what are they about? Like, I think one of the champions of elemental evil is like of, of earth is a Medusa because they turn things to stone, which like oh. 
kind of get, but like it doesn't really, it's really mixing mythologies. Yeah. And that seems more like just a connected dot. Yeah. You know, than anything else. Yeah. And like far, what? It's kind of is further away from the wacky stuff you can do with, like, what if a human being was actually obsessed with a particular element? You get into some weird stuff with that body modifications or like, or even like, yeah, I don't know. I can imagine like fire and water pretty easily for that. I'm having a hard time with air and earth, you know, because like a fire person, that's that's pretty easy to figure out. Like yeah. they want everything to be on fire, probably. Water would everything to be underwater. Well, just or think of it. Yeah, I like the four elements are used to give characters personality in all sorts of right, fiction. Yeah. Like I think of, I wrote, I even wrote down Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. Um, because you have like right, Raphael. yeah, the four humors, yeah, four, <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Raphael is fire; he's all passion. Uh, Donatello yeah. is water because he's um, reflective and calm most of the time. Uh, Michelangelo is air because he's out there. Uh, he's kind of oblivious, but he's got his own ideas. And then Leo is earth because he's grounded and has rules, yeah. and you know, and you can use that. This this describes you know the four Harry Potter houses. Um, uh, I'm sure all kinds of other stuff I'm forgetting, but yeah. like oh, you know what maps on I, this is this is this is extremely obvious, but I, I I can't believe I didn't think of this sooner. Um, the 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 casts in the of the Tau in Warhammer 40k. Okay, I don't know cast system, right? Well, but yeah, yeah. So you got the fire cast who are they get called the Tau get called space communists, but they're they're yes. authoritarian caste system. They're they're kind of, they're their own thing. They're collectivist. Anyways, I don't. That's a whole other thing for me to get into. <laughs> but so you got the fire cast, and they're the warriors, and then the water cast, and they're like the diplomats and traders, and they deal between all the other casts, and then the earth cast, they're the scientists and engineers, and do all the work work like labor stuff except it's mostly drones so they're mostly scientists and then the air cast um run the space program basically and are all the pilots and you have the ethereals who are in control like sort of are the leadership class right cast, i guess and so they're they the f- yeah they're the fifth ones yeah right they're heart because there's captain planet yeah. right and then yeah totally heart is the most useless but also the like cinches it all together yeah yeah so that's like you could just using that, like you could come up with interesting villains, I think, for the elemental evil idea. Yeah. And I don't I don't know anything about really about the Avatar the Last Airbender, but I know right, yeah, yeah. there's there's like the Fire Clan or Fire Town or whatever. And there's Fire Town, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I tried I watched um the first few episodes. I think it's just uh just a little too old for it, I think. Yeah, I think kind I feel of, the same way. I feel like I missed the time of my life yeah, that, that missed, would have been yeah, yeah. missed miss the boat on that but um I, I gave it a shot and it definitely maps onto there as well like the the fire nation is like passionate and it seeks to conquer too yeah. Small. yeah fire town the, <laughs> uh, the fire municipality uh and then the rest are like kind of like their element would describe them yeah so just having a Medusa doesn't really do it for you. Like it's more appropriate for a dwarf or even a, a uh, the ones we just did, Dwergar. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It makes more sense, but I don't know. I'm not in charge. Um, yeah. So why don't we? 
there's there's not a ton historically other than some very key points. So we already talked about um, the the classical elements, but there's like the the idea of personified elements, elementals comes from a very particular person and book, which is both very interesting, but also when you dig into it, it just makes the idea of an elemental even more kind of boring and conceptually overlapping <laughs> with other things. But we'll we'll get to that. So I'm talking about a guy named uh I've never heard the name pronounced. I think it's uh Paracelsus. Someone please feel free to correct me, but I think it's Paracelsus. Um he was I think born in the early 1500s, he was a Swiss physician, alchemist, lay theologian, and philosopher of the German Renaissance. Uh, So he is an interesting guy. I took some bits from his biography to, to read, uh, but we'll, we'll get, it's a little thick, but there's some interesting bits in it and I had to leave a lot out, but uh, he's basically a pioneer in several aspects, but especially the medical revolution of the Renaissance, where he valued observation in combination with received wisdom. So he wasn't just willing. He's one of the the first real people to make headway into like empirical evidence being used <laughs> yeah. in medicine, even though <laughs> his way of getting there was like extremely wacky. Yeah. He is uh, credited as the father of toxicology he, had, he was also a prophet and diviner. He was a licensed physician in uh, Basel or Bissell. don't know the name of this place, but he taught at a university. He traveled around. He basically taught himself medicine by like, he just traveled most of Europe and Egypt and then eventually hooked up with uh, the um, an army in Vienna and went on like a bunch of campaigns and conducted medicine on people and like actually learned a lot of stuff and was able to, he got his own license and was set up his own shop and he taught at a university. Uh, He was often compared to uh, Luther because he, rather than Latin, which was the language you spoke at universities, even dealing with like non-theological stuff. Yeah. uh, He, he spoke in German. Oh, wow. was, uh, a big it deal raised some eyebrows yeah yeah he was still very much a christian he just had like insane ideas for a christian at the time yeah uh, he wanted his lectures to be available to everyone he he published harsh criticism of other physicians and apothecaries at his university in town making political turmoil uh, people made threats on his life he publicly burned editions of a couple other physicians uh, because he thought their books were crap. He was prone to like public outbursts of abusive language. Um, he ridiculed anyone who placed more importance on titles than practice. So he was a big believer in his, his quote, if disease put us to the test, all our splendor title and rings and names will be as much help as a horse's tail during his wow. time. At the, uh, yeah. <laughs> big hands on guy. Yeah, he would invite uh, barber surgeons, alchemists, and apothecaries, uh, and others lacking academic background to serve as examples of his belief that only those who practiced an art knew it. The patients I, are yeah. your textbook. The sick bed is your study. Is is his quote? 
What were you gonna say? I really, oh, I was just gonna say I really love it for that for like a long time. The person who cut your hair was also the person that would like was like a barber was also like a dentist and a surgeon at the same time so it was like yeah. oh i gotta get a haircut or he's like oh like oh my finger's going gangrene it was like well i gotta go to the barber get that cut <laughs> he's know? the guy with the short with the sharp stuff yeah if you got something that needs to be cut he's your guy yeah <laughs> you have to cut something else you want a butcher you want to cut yourself you got the barber surgeon <laughs> so it's cool he would invite them to the university to like learn stuff yeah yeah his big like public education and freedom of information guy. But then he also had these insane ideas. Like uh, uh, he has this quote. Uh, he was right. So he was one of the first people to talk about psychosomatic diseases. He, this quote says, thus the cause of the disease chorea, chorea uh, lasciva or St. Vitus's dance so I think this is the the dancing sickness that you hear about sometimes. Yeah. The like random outbursts where people are dancing till they yeah. drop for days at a time. That sweeps through villages and stuff. Uh, is a mere opinion and idea assumed by imagination affecting those who believe in such a thing. This opinion and idea are the origin of the disease both in children and adults. In children, the case is also imagination based not on thinking but on perceiving because they have heard or seen something. The reason is this, their sight and hearing are so strong that unconsciously they have fantasies about what they have seen or heard. He called for the humane treatment of the mentally ill as he saw them not to be possessed by evil spirits, but merely brothers ensnared in a treatable malady. So he's talking about mental illness in like the 1500s. In the 1500s, he's got a better opinion, a better take on mental health than a lot of people do now. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. He he re- did not believe that they were overtaken by like all of these diseases people thought were evil spirits. He was like, no, no, these are normal diseases. Yeah. We just have a different view of the world. So then he came to his beliefs by traveling the world and like looking at stuff real close, you know, yeah, and, like a scientist and, would. And practicing. He was never he never trained to be a, in medicine, I don't think, till like later on. Everything he learned, he just learned by doing. He was just yeah, like by it, treating soldiers by the sounds of it. Yeah, right? he was just like yeah. a willing person who like learned yeah. a bit here and there and then ended up being really good at it. Yeah, also had a, I, I looked him up pretty briefly here. Uh, he has, there's some pretty good portraits of him. Yeah, he's, he's yeah. a weird, dumpy, strange haircut kind of guy. Yeah, was that, he's got like, I can't tell if it's a haircut or his hat, but it's, it's, I, I like it. <laughs> that's way, fine. That's, good. I think that's yeah. good. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, he also, further to this, this is where he gets a little more wacky. He proposed that the state of a person's psyche could cure and cause disease. So theoretic, which is not too, like, is not wrong. Like stress causes or makes you more susceptible yeah, to disease. And placebo effect, like, is a thing that yeah. is real, that does stuff. Yeah. But then he goes into, in theory, a person could maintain goodwill or sorry, good health through sheer will. he also stated that whether or not a person could succeed in their craft depended on their character for example if a physician had shrewd and immoral intentions they would eventually fail because evil could not lead to success and he believed that like materially that wasn't just like uh things tend to go bad when you're a bad person he was like no the universe is situated as such that you will fail if you're immoral Right, so there, there's like a Newtonian action and reaction happening with yeah. like your motives behind your actions that was yes. like a physical law, yeah. Uh, he stressed the importance of sleep and sedation uh, could catalyze healing and cure mental illness. 
So a big self-care guy. Yeah. Um, his hermetical beliefs were that sickness and health in the body, this is, it gets wacky now. And this, this is, uh, gets into some famous wackiness here. Re- relied on the harmony of humans, a microcosm, and nature, the macrocosm. He took a different approach from those before him, using this analogy not in the manner of soul purification, but in a material manner that humans must have certain balances of minerals in their bodies and that certain illnesses of the body had chemical remedies that could cure them. As a result of this hermetical idea of harmony, the universe's macrocosm was represented in every person as a microcosm. So this real like as above, so below type thing where every... Level is the same, just on a magnified scale. So, if you have a problem in your body, it's because you're there's some balance that's out of whack. Yeah, you're out of balance with the universe. And then, next to this, an example of this is the doctrine of signatures used to identify curative powers of plants. If a plant looked like a part of the body, this signified its ability to cure this given anatomy. <laughs> oh, that's great. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I got a headache. Got to go get some cabbage. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. So he's, I've heard of this before. I didn't realize this was this person or didn't know anything about the guy that came up with this. Therefore, a root of an orchid looks like a testicle can therefore heal testicle associated illnesses. Because everything in the universe is the same, then it makes sense that the universe would create plants that have to do with other things that look like it. Yeah. Yeah. It's, there's a, there's a bizarre like tendency with a lot of I want to say like public intellectuals people that have like big theories where they end up being right about like one thing in one area like with this guy um like the whole thing about like oh yeah sometimes uh you have you gotta have the right balance of like he said minerals but like actual vitamins weren't discovered as a as a concept until like much later and the idea yeah. of nutritional science came like is is still like it's still young science it's still developing and the idea of like psycho like you said before like psychosomatic stuff that you can believe something that enough to sort of experience the symptoms because your body's because the symptoms are have a neurological cause instead of an outside physical cause so belief can influence that stuff like with like pain or something like that but then he's like well i'm right about that stuff then the everything else must work the same way, you know. Like yeah. he figured out one small thing is like, okay, well now that I've top down, the whole thing is the yeah, same. yeah. Well, now that I get this aspect of medicine, these same dynamics must also be able to explain like cosmology. And, yeah, which is uh, which yeah. is wild because he's still a Christian. Like all of his stuff is wrapped up in Christian thought. Like it's all about God. But it's like, where? How do you? combine these ideas there's, there's no one like he's making it up yeah he just, like, he just believes it within himself he's not like citing some history or anything he's like he's using his own eyes but also like tying it all up with his own irrational beliefs yeah and i don't think he's just putting that on to like not be burned because you couldn't be non-christian at the time i think he like yeah. he truly he's a true believer uh he even goes so far as to say that um, <laughs> uh, he, he believed that like can cure like. So if a star or poison causes a disease, it can be countered by another star or poison. And all, all the mineral talk, um, he does, he, he's not talking about minerals as we know them today. He's talking about right. like sulfur and salt. Oh, and yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And everything in the universe is interrelated. Therefore, beneficial medical substances can be found in herbs, minerals, 
and other chemical combinations uh, because the universe is one coherent organism that is pervaded by a unifying life-giving spirit. And this is in its entirety, right. God. Yeah. So the underlying assumption was that all of reality was designed and designed correctly is like the, that's, that's the glue that holds it all together. Yeah. 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 And then finally, there's like this footnote where uh, posthumously in 1566, so he dies. And then a few years later, his, they were, somebody publishes a book that he was, he had written, but hadn't published called the book on nymphs, sylphs, pygmies, and salamanders and on the other spirits. So uh, this is where we get elementals. So this is talking about spirits having to do with the four elements and how all mythological creatures can be described as belonging to like one of these elements or possess like being in one of these categories. And the, the, I couldn't find much on the actual book uh, or at least like not within the limits of the research I'm willing to do, because it seems like you really have to dig deep, but the a synopsis of it is that he argues for the, the reading of the biblical creation narrative that man needs to use philosophy to gain knowledge about the natural world, or he will not be able to understand Christ and appreciate the Bible. And that the natural world contains many strange things, including elemental beings composed of the four classical elements, nymphs who are water, sylphs who are air, pygmies who are earth. Sometimes this is translated through German into gnomes instead of pygmies and salamanders, which are fire. (laughs) He dismisses We're never the- going to understand Jesus until we use uh, science to understand uh, uh, gnomes. gnomes and salamanders. <laughs> yeah. yeah, he dismisses the conventional Christian view that elemental beings are devils. Instead, arguing that they are significant parts of God's creation and studies them like he studied the rest of the natural world. He even made a claim somewhere that the the, the spirits of the world are more pleasurable to describe than than the works of etiquette, chivalry. Uh, like all these man-made things that are supposed to be like noble gentlemanly pursuits. Yeah. He was mm-hmm. he was secretly this whole time just really into describing elemental spirit creatures. Well, you know what? I mean, he really if he was alive today, he'd be he'd be producing this podcast with us, it sounds like. <laughs> <laughs> he'd be on this episode at least. Yeah, yeah. So and then beyond that, there's not much um like each of those nymphs, sylphs, pygmies, or you know, earth people, dwarves, gnomes, and salamanders, mm. these are all specific monsters that are in this book also, except for maybe yeah. sylphs, but like there are a bunch of other air creatures. <clears throat> yeah, yeah. So like already you're dealing with like these creatures already exist, so elementals are already stepping on their toes. <laughs> so I think it really is the summoning and the interaction with spellcasters that makes elementals what they are versus these other creatures and the, the kind of nothingness that lets them be, lets you as a DM use them for anything and maybe, maybe get more creative or you can just use them as like a, you know, a kind of a sub boss monster or something, or like to spice up an encounter. Um, So yeah, that's about everything I have on them. Yeah. Um. Uh, <laughs> uh, something I, I I thought was gonna I I was I had I had like 
in, in, in my pocket ready to see if it was going to come up organically. And, I, and I'm sure it did a couple of times and I just missed, <laughs> missed the moment. Um, but there's a Greek philosopher, pre-Socratic one, one of the first philosophers, really Western philosophers, like first people you can call a philosopher. Um, Thales, do you, do you know about Thales? Chris? I don't tell me more. So, Thales. So, you know, how every philosopher has to have like a one-liner. <laughs> right the you log know, line like, yeah yeah okay. yeah exactly like you have a uh, uh, descartes has um i think they for i am you know you got uh, nietzsche has uh, god is dead and we killed him right you know um every everybody's got their thing so thales uh said that all is water <laughs> everything is water that was his big idea and so that's uh, but he what he sort of meant by that um and uh if you if you read his it's it's like maybe it got translated weird and and i'm sure a lot of the nuances of what he was actually trying to say we don't get as like 21st century english speakers and not you know uh uh ancient greek speakers Uh, but i what he was sort of getting it was like everything's actually made of the same fundamental stuff it just that stuff can have different properties and so it's was sort of what he was getting at yeah. but he said figured everything was water and so like dirt was like particularly dry water and <laughs> like air was really light water that like also wasn't wet and you could have like alcoholic water and people were um like uh in 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 like different proportions hard and squishy like sentient water that could walk around and he just sort of like you could sort of (laughs) he sort of thought you could look at everything as being different types of water he different types of the same thing but he figured like the baseline of reality like the, the the unmodified uh like realness is is liquid water (laughs) and that was his but the thing is he put that idea out there and he was like all right uh whoever thinks i'm wrong come up and debate me and sort of like that kind of gets credited with by some professors i've had is like starting the entire um discipline of uh philosophy of western philosophy is thales being like everything's water debate me yeah (laughs) (laughs) um you gotta shoot your shot right like yeah totally um why not like yeah how that uh um uh somehow that was going to tie into elementals i couldn't figure out how exactly i figured i would just <laughs> it would it would hit it would hit me no that but, definitely yeah. sits there that's uh talking about the compositions of the universe yeah even if yeah. you're wrong that's still great <laughs> it's not water yet but it ought to be <laughs> gonna make it water i mean like they didn't get much past that they were like you know it's not just water that's crazy there are three other things yeah <laughs> totally yeah yeah, and those different things in different proportions. There was a bunch of them. There was one who just, uh, I, th- I think it was um, uh, an examiner. I could be wrong, but he, he w- one of them, I think it was an examiner, said everything is change and didn't really specify beyond like... Well, that's a bit of a cop-out, but like... Yeah, yeah, totally. Like You might be more right, but you're definitely less interesting. Yeah, totally. It's like, yeah, well, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Way, but that's not... Tell me something I don't know. <laughs> yeah. Like a change elemental would just be like human being just living and dying. <laughs> yeah. I, I, yeah, a change. Well, this is, this would be, I'm going to bring up 40K again, but I l- would like to imagine a change elemental as being like a demon of Zinch, you know, the chaos god of change, because they're, they're just like constantly changing forms. You can't see because it's a podcast, but I'm waving my arms around and they just don't stay the same shape for any <laughs> prolonged period of time. Yeah. Um, but even, yeah, I don't know. <laughs> that seems yeah. like a different thing than an element. 
Yeah, but it's, uh, you know, when you're, again, dealing with these platonic ideals, you can take anything. Yeah. It's all it's all watermelon <laughs> elementals. You can have elementals and then you can have conceptuals. <laughs> oh, God. That sounds like you're writing a, another book for D&D. <laughs> all right, that's it. Uh, thanks for listening. I hope you like and subscribe to everything you ever you ever listen or see to uh and uh keep looking at monsters <laughs> i wrote an intro this time i didn't write an outro so big mistake oh well we'll get there goodbye yeah, see ya <laughs> <laughs>